Welcome back to the sermon podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. We're glad you're with us again this week. The power of Pentecost Sunday can often get lost in the celebration of the day. We know the story of the disciples locked in a room, speaking in tongues to a gathered crowd on a feast day. But the idea of speaking in tongues can often seem inaccessible to us, especially those of you, if you're like me, you have a hard enough time with one language, English in my case. It isn't just that they spoke in tongues, though, the disciples that day. It's what they spoke. They stood up, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to tell God's story as revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. This is a powerful story of healing for all of creation. It was the power to stand up in a public square, to speak powerfully and boldly in a language that made sense to those who were there from all over the world. This witness that they made was countercultural, and it didn't end on Pentecost. The fledgling community of faith went forward from that very day. They went forward into the broader world to stand up and speak God's story of life and love in the needs of the world they encountered. This is a particularly empowering witness for us today as we consider all of the corrupting systems and experiences we deal with today. We are called to trust God in all of the ways that God is a part of the work that we do as we rise and speak this story. We don't want to be a jerk in the ways that we share. Civility does matter. But the call to engage in civility doesn't absolve us of the need to speak God's story of mercy and justice with boldness and resolve. uh, Scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. 
men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. We, we are, are listening. listening. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. First of all, thanks to Karen Levine. Uh, Karen is our worship leader for the month of June, so welcome. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Um, I'm old enough to remember a time when it seemed like civility actually mattered, where civility was actually valued. And, and we were taught this, right, at an early age. Things like, um, let's see, um, you have to go along to get along, okay? In other words, don't be a jerk. Um, that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, don't speak like a jerk, okay? Others, what did, you, what did you hear growing up? If if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, right? See my previous comments, don't be a jerk, okay? Um, what else do you remember? Don't talk politics or religion, right? Okay, Alan? What goes around comes around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a corollary to that that we won't share here, but Greg knew exactly what I was talking about, which scares me, but that's okay. Um, civility. What's that? Do unto others as you would have them. I've read that somewhere before, too. Yeah. Well, and, and that, made, that made sense in a time where civility was valued. This notion of, of how we interact with one another in a way that is thoughtful, caring, ultimately about life-giving, about building a community. And those, those kinds of interpersonal relationship pieces are still very important, but we live in a very, very different time right now. Because there are people in the world right now 
who will take those best intentions, our desire to, to want to be civil, to want to build community, to not really um, rock the boat, and they'll weaponize it. Trusting in our desire, I would even say obsession about being nice, and they will push all manner of destructive, community disintegrating rhetoric because they know that the people who are nice who were raised and in, 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 cultured in this idea of civility, because they want to be civil, they won't speak up. And we see that in so many places in the public square today. But something be- is beginning to shift, I think. Over the course of the last, um, the last few weeks particularly, but even in the last month, I see people who are standing up and speaking out. Not not being jerks, okay? Not trying to create conflict, but standing up to speak a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of life, to roll back the, the, the devastating effects of some of this other rhetoric. Standing up to speak a different story. Now, this builds a little bit on what we uh, talked about last week in the text from Acts chapter 16. The Apostle Paul, okay, remember this beautiful liberation story from Acts chapter 16, where a, um, a slave girl who's being exploited by her masters for, for, for profit and power, um, they cast out this spirit of divination and they're promptly beaten, stripped, and thrown in prison. And they end up liberating the jailer. At the, you know, <laughs> they're the ones in prison, but they're liberating the jailer. So the slave girl is liberated, the jailer is liberated, and the lectionary portion of the text stops there because that's a, that's a great story. That's a wonderful story beautiful, empowering story that, 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 gives, that gives definition and context to the larger gospel story. But in the very next breath, what's not included is Paul stands up. And Paul stands up and speaks out against the injustice that was perpetrated upon him and Silas. When the magistrates in this town realized that they'd made a mistake by doing what they did to Paul, they were hoping to just kind of shoo him out of town quietly. And Paul said, "Uh uh-uh. He stood up and he said, okay, here we are, we're Roman citizens, and you did this to us unjustly, and now you're going to just dismiss us and hope we go away? I don't think so. This ability that Paul demonstrates to stand up. Now, 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 Paul, I think, is predisposed to this kind of work anyway. But think about it for a minute. To stand in front of the powers and principalities that just had you stripped, beaten, and thrown in prison. 
I don't know too many of us, no matter how strong our personality is, that would want to you know, stick our head in the lion's mouth once again. But Paul does. So why? How? What? How do you do the math on that? And this is where we go back to the Pentecost experience. The Pentecost experience is where the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the discernment to stand up like that and speak the truth. The truth being God's story. To speak the truth in that moment, yes, it's risky. Yes, it's uncertain. Yes, there may be consequences to bear. But the power to do that work is valuable to the person. But it's powerful and valuable to the larger community. Because in the face of systems that would degrade and humiliate and exploit, there is this moment where God's story has to be told. The story of justice and mercy, of reconciliation and love, that in the, in the face of all of the things that would exploit, somebody's got to stand up and tell that story. Somebody has got to speak the gospel, the good news of Christ. How does that happen? Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. On Pentecost, you know, we have this, this wonderful, lovely image that that Karen read of these disciples, these, these largely uneducated uh, people who in the, in, the, in, the, in the square on this festival Sunday, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they began to preach the good news, to share the good news of God's love for all of humanity and for all of creation. And they were able to speak it in languages that they did not previously know. Now this experience is not the speaking in tongues that, you know, uh, that the church, you know, uh, folks within the church still practice today, where there's this language, this God language thing that needs an interpretation. No, they're speaking in the languages of the people who are listening. They have Jews that have gathered from all over the known world at that point who were probably raised outside of a strictly Judean culture. And their first language was probably not Hebrew, and it probably was not Aramaic. And these disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, were able to speak in the heart language, the first language, as you've heard me say before, the language in which their mother sang to them. Deep, emotional, cultural depth and meaning to hear the good news of God's story in a language that made sense to them. Not just you know, between their ears, but in their heart, in their very soul. That's what the Spirit enables the disciples to do, the early church to do, but that's what the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to do. To stand up and speak the gospel of grace. To speak the truth, greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for one's friends. To speak the truth that whenever we do this, whenever we act with justice and mercy and compassion to the least of these who are members of Christ's own family, we do it to Him. To speak that story in the face of all of the conflict, all of the uncertainty, all of the angst, all of the pain, this, this just opening the newspaper. In, that, in this particular moment, 
The Holy Spirit empowers us to speak this word of life and of love. God's story. That's all we're doing. I mean, we don't, we, we, we don't have to have a PhD in theology. We don't have to have gone to seminary. We don't have to know the Bible inside and out, backwards and forwards, having it read. Do we know the presence and the spirit of the risen Christ in our life? Do we trust in the promise of, of, of this beloved community that Christ sought to build? Do we trust that promise? And do we trust that every step along the way that God will be present with us? And that God will empower us? I, I've, I shared a few weeks ago um, that uh, that was kind of a... <laughs> Not a, not a promise, not an arrangement, because that, that doesn't sound right, but when you're 19, that's what it sounds like. When I, when I said yes to following this path that leads me here today, that was part of the conversation that I had with God. I know. I know. And I don't know how I knew. But I said, God, I know that if I say yes to this path, that you won't put me in a situation that I, that, you know, I can't handle. And all these years later, that promise has been fulfilled over and over and over and over again. And it's not because there's anything special about me. This is the promise that God makes to all of us. And Pentecost is part of the experience that empowers us to say yes to that as a vocation. To follow where Christ leads in the places where the world is in greatest need where the world is broken, where the world is uncertain, where the world is experiencing pain and grief, to simply stand up and tell God's story in the face of all of it. So to come back to the idea that we started with, with civility, it's important to recognize that because of the story that we're rooted in, what we share, how we share, when we share, where we share, matters. Civility in this, now I'm not saying Casper milk toast. civility in how and respect with how we treat people, even that we, we vehemently disagree with, is still the key. Because if you're a jerk, people won't listen. Oh, you're just being... We have within us the capacity to speak in this day, to speak with strength, with resolve, with boldness, with purpose, because woven into the fabric of our life and our experience with the risen Christ is a vision of who we can be as people of faith, but who we can be as a community of faith gathered together for this purpose, but larger who we can be with this community. To be as, as uh, the, the scriptural image, to be the leaven in the loaf 
the yeast that makes it rise. We can be in the community by the way that we live the story and tell the story with, with courage and with boldness, with purpose. We can, no matter how disempowered we may feel in this moment, and I know that some of us do, feel disempowered. How can we possibly make a difference? No matter how disempowered you may feel because of how the Holy Spirit is at work right now in your life and in our life and in the world beyond us, we can be a witness to a new day of healing and grace and community. A new day where we value the lives of all of God's children. And we build a community that makes space for all of God's children. Thanks be to God that we are not alone. And we are not disempowered. Friends, go in peace and take courage and how the Holy Spirit is at work in your life today. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope that it has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for your spiritual journey. If you're interested in more information about the church, we would invite you to come to our website at redlandsfirstchurch.org. We hope you will join us in person, online, or via this podcast each week as together we open our lives to the movement of the Holy Spirit that we might grow in faith and be strengthened in the ways that we reflect Christ's presence in the world. Thank you.